May day, May 1st, um, sunny, just after 4, and I've gone and done something stupid, and <laughs> of course that means I need to share it with you, to uh, maybe help me work it out and not feel so bad. Uh, probably the last episode, or the one before, I don't know, I said I had learned a lesson, um, my wife was wanted to go out somewhere, and I was comfortable, you know, looking at my letters, sitting in the road trek where I am now. But then rethought it and realized, no, the right thing to do is go out with her and have a walk. Well, the same opportunity came up today. She said, after her cleaning the house and doing a whole lot, I'll get back to that. Um, she wants to go see the cherry blossoms at U of T. Well... I had something else I felt I needed to do and said, no, you go ahead. And then realized I'd made a mistake, phoned her on the phone while the her car picks up the phone calls, but she doesn't know how to work it through the dash yet. So it just... Uh, I don't know, there might have been a voice in her purse or something, but she's not getting the message. My message was, look, I made a mistake, come back and get me, I want to go out. And uh, now it's too late, and, and I, I don't know where exactly she was going to go, U of T, Scarborough campus, so there was no point in me taking a second car to chase after her. But I feel bad. It was a dumb thing, and, and <laughs> you know, again... You know, are there any mistakes in life? Yeah, I guess there are. It's a silly question, but I guess we rationalize or justify everything. Or There's always a reason anyway why we did something. My reason there I thought was a sound one. She was cleaning all day, and um, it's her Saturday. She just takes on the whole house. And I was watching Formula One qualifying for the Portugal Grand Prix. And reading about it and into it. And, and I wasn't helping and felt guilt. And now our barbecue has been in disrepair for quite a while. I've been using it, but on two burners only and probably dangerously. Uh, things have just um, rusted out. There's holes in the burners. You know, it, it's dangerous. It's not good. And I think she might, and she knows, and I said, oh, yeah, I'm going to get around to that. And I've been telling Barnacle Bill or Bruce in my letters, yeah, i got to get the barbecue fixed one of these days, but not doing anything. Anyway, today, I decided uh, guilt is a good motivator for me. I felt guilty that she was doing all the work around the house. All right, I'll do the barbecue. That's something I can do, and uh, easier than certainly she could. And so, felt great about it. I mean, I, I went out there, I took the pieces off. I looked at what had to be replaced. I looked at the burners, tried to figure them out. Okay, this is not a simple one tube. These are four separate tubes, 30 bucks a piece. Um, how do they go in? I got a screwdriver. I was thinking, oh my, I got to take this off. No, those screws are on forever. And then, no, no, there's a cotter pin. Pull out the cotter pin. You can remove it easily. Yeah, okay, 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 because we put the whole thing together when we bought it. So... Um, you know, then went and figured, okay, well, I, I couldn't find the manual, looked everywhere. No, we don't have the manual anymore. So I took a picture of, uh, you know, a label on the bottom, near the bottom, and was able to find the number. And I know it's a master chef, got online. And what a wonderful thing is, there's a, a link. You go to the parts, and there's a link to click here for Canadian Tire Parts Department. And you click that link and it takes you right to, oh, what do you want? You want the burners? You want the reflector plates? What do you want? And because I had taken the picture, I blew up the picture. I got the serial number. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, it is these specific parts. Add those to the card. So anyway, 
I did the way any of you would have done it, you know, research, went online, ordered, put all the parts in my cart, paid for them, and then was just going to wait for curbside pickup. Great. I checked the store. They've got all the parts. It should be nothing, you know. It takes a guy five minutes to, uh, well, it doesn't take five minutes, especially in these COVID days. It's curbside pickup only. I can't go into the store. And, um, but thought it would be today. And then I'm going to feel, that's great. I will have cleaned the barbecue because after that, I mean, it took it all apart and really soaked and cleaned uh, the whole thing. You know, there was just so much accumulated grime and rust. Um, so good job. But when Elko said he want to go to the cherry blossoms, I thought, oh, no, no, I, I got to wait for Canadian Tire. They're going to call me. And uh, I want to pick them up and put the barbecue back together, finish it all today. Well, I went back to check the email they sent me and said, don't come until you get a message saying, come for pickup, it's ready. And then I looked closer, which I didn't see the first time in my hurry, in my stupidity. And it says, estimated time for pickup, Sunday noon. Well, today is Saturday four o'clock. I'm not going to get it today. So that's when I started making the calls to Nelco. Sorry, I made a mistake. Can you come and get me? And she never got the calls. And I, and I feel bad about that. I, but, you know, again, it was, I did the right thing. <laughs> I took the barbecue apart. I'm fixing it. I ordered the parts. $200. Jesus. But better than, uh, yeah, better to do it that way. <sighs> but if I had read more closely, if I'd looked, if I'd been a little sharper and seen that it won't be ready tomorrow, I would have quite happily gone off with Naoko to U of T, and she would have been happy to have my company. And, and I just, I feel bad about that. It, it's, it's, you know, it's, it was a mistake. Yeah, I just feel shitty about it. I mean, I could go looking after her. I could phone her again, but, you know, I'm not going to ask her once she's there to come back and get me. But I do feel, yeah, stupid. That's all. I'm going to end there. Just putting that in, start of another podcast, Dixon Jeans, number 842, Scarborough Dude Being an Asshole. Bye for now. Can you hear the difference in the bells? That's the little, the beautiful little pink bell. I'm in the uh, Toyota, and <laughs> Ew. I'm at University of Toronto campus looking for my wife, and uh, my wife is at home. We just found out. Uh, you know, I, I after the, I recorded that clip, I thought, oh, just go and find her. Go and meet up with her, and you can walk together. And um, I know... When I was driving along Lawrence, I saw a car. There's not many cars of the Mazda 3CX in this off-white car color. And uh, it went by, and I thought, oh, is that her? Or do I turn around now? Or do I just keep going? Maybe it wasn't her. What am I imagining? Anyway, it probably was her. In fact, yeah, it had to have been because she's home and I'm here. And we laughed. You know, I phoned. There's no real harm done. It's kind of funny. She said, oh, I saw them, but the parking was full, so I just, uh, I kept going home. And, uh, yeah, so I'm going to head home. But I just thought while I'm here at the campus, I would add that little note and uh, let you know that, uh, unfortunately, I missed her. But since we couldn't park anyway, 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 just to follow up, I guess, because I don't feel so bad anymore. I talked to her. She was laughing. I love my wife. And I, I'm, again reading through these letters about when we first met, like first dates, first writing to tell my father about her. I think I'm going to ask her to marry me, you know? Like it's just sort of woken up, you know, this, what, sleep of, you know, 30-odd years? I don't know, not really, but just, it's just, I don't know, it's, it's all making me think and reflect I want to be a better person. That's all. It's that simple. Scarborough Dude signing off. Jesus. Hang on. Now we're going to get the bell back out because you have to start and end with bells. It makes it easier. Bye for now.
hope you're having a good week. Um, I don't think I'll edit this until tomorrow. Uh, the first clip you heard, uh, I swear he's saying his name is Whiff Stinker. With News from Finland, I'm Whiff Stinker. Good afternoon. I have replayed it repeatedly. I've tried to listen to it more closely. I've gone to their website trying to figure out exactly <laughs> what this guy's name is. Every it's time I hear this news Stinker. update, I think... He's thinking, he's saying this is Whiff Stinker. With news from Finland, I'm Whiff Stinker. Good afternoon. I thought that'd be, that's a fantastic name, by the way, Whiff Stinker. It is a Whiff great Stinker. name. So, of course, that's the name of the episode. Uh, and uh, oh. I hope you hear it, too. You may hear exactly what he's saying. You may have better hearing than I have. And uh, Whiff Stinker. Today, I will say, that clip is from a couple of days ago. Today, when he said it, it did sound a little like something else. So, I think he's gotten... Maybe he's enunciating better. Maybe somebody told him, well, it sounds like you're saying your name is Whiff Stinker. Whiff Stinker. You better clean that up. They're going to make fun of you on the Up in the Spring podcast, and all seven of the listeners, you know, they're all going to get a chuckle out of your name. Whiff Stinker. Whiff Stinker. So, uh, you know, nobody wants nobody wants it. to be ridiculed by the mighty and powerful cultural movement that is Up in the Spring. Well, it's a movement, all right. Whiff Stinker. Can cause a movement. Whiff Stinker. We right. are downhill in a hurricane, folks. Uh, well, We're going to uh, feed that one out now. Thank you very much for that excellent opening. And uh, I'll just stop that and have it for later. Hey, or we'll get a, we'll get started here. Yeah, this is Whiff Stinker coming to you. <laughs> it's a perfect name. Like I'm surprised I haven't heard it before. In a movie or something, you know. And uh, great name for a weatherman, too. <laughs> All right. Thank you for that. Um, yeah. Scarborough Dude here. This is the Dixon Janes podcast. Uh, I can't steal that name. I'm sure he'd let me use it, you know. But, uh, no, we'll we'll come up with something else. I don't know what I'm going to talk about yet. I don't even know if I've started this episode Usually when I put it out Friday, I start right away on Saturday. But uh, things got in the way. I got busy. I'm working on book number two. And yesterday I just had just uh, a setback. I, the first the first time I went through this, everything just flowed so easily. It just fell into place. Everything worked. And this time I've had to start and restart Several times. Now, really, what I, all I should be doing is just re- getting digital versions of the letters I want to use. But instead, I'm, you know, you, you want to get started. I want to do the formatting. I want to put them in. I want to see what it's going to look like. I'm taking pictures of each of the letters. And so I got sidetracked and then just ran into some layout problems. I, I wanted to make footnotes um, when I'm talking about a job I had in uh, North Vancouver. It was important to make it clear what what it was I was objecting to. And so footnotes are great for that, you know, and it's just a tiny little font at the bottom of the page, but it worked in the first book and I wanted to do it this time, but I could not get footnotes to work. And it was because I was I was using text boxes. It took me a while to figure this out. If you're using text boxes, you can't. You can sort of reference the entire page, but not one particular word. So anyway, you don't need to know that, but I needed to know that. And it really threw me off course. And then I included a letter, a five-page letter I'd written to Bruce. And the tone was so sad. It was like I was without girlfriends. I'd just come back from a holiday. I'd met a lovely English girl. We had this little romantic encounter on this boat, a ferry boat coming from Prince Rupert to Vancouver Island. And, you know, we went our separate ways. And, and it was nice that it was a hint of something I would have liked. And it was nice for her and it was nice for me. So in itself, it was great. It was wonderful. Uh, drinks together, dinner together, and, um, you know. But the the rest of the letter is all about just sort of being lonely. And Bruce, at this point, has just traveled, quit his government job, which forever changed the course of his life, and then headed to Nova Scotia and, and Newfoundland. He wanted to go to Newfoundland that summer. And that's where he went, 1978. Off he went to Newfoundland. So he'd seen all the provinces, and I'm writing, well, now i got to do that. And But it was 
it was really pulling me down. This letter, it was a lonely canyon. I should have put up ads in the paper and, uh, and I thought, no, I, I don't want to have that as sort of the second letter in the book. Like you just, you just, you'd close the book. You wouldn't want to read anymore. So maybe I'll keep it for later on after I've already arrived, you know, and been married and had good news and a happy ending. Then you can go back to the, some of the soul searching. Um, but anyway, that just threw me off. I ended up dreaming about it. Also had dreams. I guess it was inspired by, um, Mark Blevis. I just saw a post about 10 year anniversary of, um, uh, of course his name escapes me now. The fellow who died out West, who I didn't know, but was an early podcast pioneer. And it was kind of sad, died of cancer. I was very aware of he was, he was going, um, and so the dreams are about that. It was somebody else who was dying. Uh, my friends in Nova Scotia who don't listen to podcasts. Sorry, I got my coffee going. Convinced me I had to listen to this. Anyway, 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 anyway. It was just... All the little things that happen during the course of the day and show up in this wonderland of dreams that just take you to all kinds of places, all kinds of places. And I remember my, a lot of my dreams and they're so vivid. They're, they're emotionally engaging. You know, you're, you're there and, and a lot of them involve, <laughs> I guess that it, maybe it's true of anybody of, of being lost, of not being able to find your way of, of being in a place you, you need to leave or find your way out of or something that's, uh, anyway. We can leave that. So, yeah, I'm back into the world of my world of uh, 30, 40, 50 years ago. And that's really all I want to do. I just, I just, I want to get this done. I want to get at least the second book ready by the end of summer. And it's, it's, it's going to be a slow process. I found shortcuts and tricks. I can use my iPhone to take a picture if it's printed and then have free OCR, which will give a very rough approximation. Pretty good. And then you use spell check, and it will correct a lot of the words. And then you got to go back and do a little editing here and there. But still, it's um, it works. So um, that's it. That's what I'm going to do. I, I, I thought I had something else I really wanted to share with you, but... Um, I'm feeling a distance from my church. I didn't attend last week's session or the week before. I chose instead to watch the uh, Portuguese Grand Prix. And then this weekend is uh, in Spain. I guess it's Barcelona. Uh, and I'll watch that instead. You know, it's, it's, yeah, that's all. So nothing much to say. Huh. Well, maybe I'll go back to Wiff Stinker. Scrubber Dude, signing out. Thank you for uh, hanging in there with me. Ah, yeah, one more funny thing. Somebody actually sent me a text. They want to help me with podcasting because they could tell I'm a beginner. Uh, I can't find many episodes, so maybe I could use this person's help. And um, I guess I, I, you know, I could engage with them and say, gee, how much will it cost me? To double my listenership. But uh, no, I'm not going to waste his time either. Scarborough Dude, wasting enough time as it is. Signing off. Bye for now. There's like somebody who, who really, I mean, to take, a, take the extreme case, there are men, you know, driving around in cars at this moment who would never voluntarily put themselves at risk of getting into a fight with another man, especially a man they, who's in a box and they can't see how big and scary he might be, right? And yet they'll behave behind the wheel of their car in a way so as to provoke a situation that could, with some regularity, does lead to them being thrust into a physical altercation with a person who is far more yeah. comfortable with, um, in the extreme case, murder, right? I mean, like, literally, we, we have a society that's got something like 400 million guns in it, and we know where this can go. Yet people behave in ways that, if they were just outside of their car, they would never dream of doing what they do in well, and with their yeah. car. Well, you know, I think this is another important area of research, which is I would just kind of label it as really the psychology of honor. And these cultural codes are so ingrained. I mean, in the South, I would say, you know, in the book, I think I mentioned, you know, all 
honor cultures are tight. They have very strict norms, but not all tight cultures are honor cultures. But certainly the context you're talking about are have evolved to have a very strong code of honor. Lots of our work on honor has been looking at the idea that it's an adaptation, especially in contexts that have been places where there's not a lot of strong institutions. In the South, you know, uh, Joe of Cohen and Dick Nisbet talk about this. It's also in the Middle East uh, and other contexts where, you know, your reputation for being strong has been critical for your survival in the context where there's a lot of potential uh, rating, where there's not strong institutions. In some of our computational models where we looked at this, we simply look at, you know, when you have strong institutions, meaning like the police answer your calls, the honor cultures don't tend to evolve, mm-hmm. but they do tend to evolve in part to control aggressive agents in these models. There's like this kind of predator-prey type of um, dynamic where when you have a lot of aggressive agents that will you know, take your property, honor agents are really needed to fight them. And even if you're not perceiving yourself as strong enough, that instinct to defend your reputation can actually ward off potential aggressors. And, and I think that's partly what we're observing with this road rage. I think people feel the sense that their honor has been violated. I mean, I in the book, I talk about it. I flipped someone, actually Todd flipped someone off when we were driving in South Carolina. And it elicited, I mean, I flip people off all the time. I'm from New York. Mm-hmm. It's almost affectionate, you know? <laughs> it's, it's like, it's not something that is seen as like violating, I'll say for myself, maybe not everyone, but you know, it's um, it's clearly not something that you would get into a real rage about. In the South, you know, where your reputation is so important, when people violate your honor, it it's almost this instinct that you have to defend it, whether or not you're in this big truck and whether or not anyone's around. And I've been studying honor codes in the Middle East also, you know, and it's really something that's even more important than money or bread. That's what mm. we we hear consistently in our interviews in the Middle East, and that people would be willing to do anything to defend it. It's 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 really their source of livelihood. There's all sorts of interesting work on on honor in the U.S. And I think there's also I'm going to uh, so many ways you can fade that out. That of course is the Sam Harris podcast, uh, making sense. By God, I enjoy it. To me, it's like having a free. Now, I say free. I'm not a patron. Uh, and Sam has been kind enough during these COVID times and so on to let people listen to entire shows without uh, paying. Um, and I hope he forgives me for using a three-minute clip from the show, but it really it's to tell other people out there, my God, if you just need a change, you know, uh, from hockey or whatever... Uh, this is this is good stuff. It, it just it never disappoints. Um, you know, a range of subjects, but it's always good, high level conversation. I don't know how he does it, how he keeps it up, but it's very you know much to me on university level. And if there are naysayers out there, fuck you. You know, it just uh, I like it, and I'm just uh, grateful to have this show um, on a regular basis. Okay, so anyway, yeah, on our culture. My God, thank God I was not meant for that. I'm I'm fortunate to live in a very liberal society with law and order already established. I don't have to go out and defend myself. I, I guess when we're in high school, to some degree, there's there's a sense of uh, manning up or or somehow protecting your reputation. But in my case, it certainly wasn't through fighting. Basically, you hang out with people who aren't going to beat you up. You know, that's what you want. All right. Anyway, uh, Dixon Janes, we're uh, I, finishing this off, I guess. What is it? It's Thursday today. And um, I usually put it out Friday, maybe Saturday. I listened back. I, I have There's a friend of my um, wife's who wants to start a podcast and uh, wanted to interview my dear wife, and she's just a very private person, said no, but passed along my name uh, to this person uh, to contact me if she needed. And I thought, well, I don't want her listening to the Dixon Janes podcast. So you know who you are. If you're listening, hey, you're not supposed to be. Um, Because I do get into personal family matters and, and reveal quite a bit. Uh, and I've got another story lined up on just that topic. But anyway, so I thought, well, what else have I got out there? And I went and listened to Sally Talks. I had Baby Sally Talks and Sally Talks interviews in the road track. And uh, the one I chose was the one with Michael. Now, he told me how to pronounce his name. Musil. Um, let, let's just stick with uh, the Uper. 
Um, it's a, a very, um, a very, it was a good podcast. You did a fine job, Michael. And, uh, I, I'm glad I did that. And it made me feel, gosh, I should be doing a few more of these. It's so much of, well, the Dixon Jane's podcast is just that there's no, <laughs> there's no, there's nobody else. Um, but I enjoy those ones of interviewing people. And I guess when it's safe to actually have people sitting in close proximity, I should do a few more interviews. Of course you can do them over Skype. Um, but that's a different thing altogether. All right. Park that. Um, yesterday my wife was on one of her cleaning binges and she alerted me to the fact that, um, the our uh, toaster oven wasn't functioning properly and next thing i see it's on the floor it's usually sitting up on the counter between our microwave and our new stove and immediately i go into sort of defense mode it looks like she's she's it's not working and my defense mode is either, I don't know where it exactly, what triggers it exactly. It might be the fact that we're going to have to spend money and buy a new one. But I think more than that, it's, she's taking control of something that maybe I almost think is in the man's domain. Hey, this is, it's not technology, but it's, and, and li- listen, forgive me. I know this is wrong. She's better at fixing things than I am. I know that. I'm just trying to be honest here and examine where do these triggers you know, come from? What, what? What's behind them? Uh, and it was the sense that maybe she was just going to throw this thing out without me even looking at it. And and I'm calling out and I learned, you know, I just, I just, I shut up. You know, I, at first I, I put up a bit of a fuss and then I just shut up. And next thing I know, it's back on the counter, but the plug is on top of it. And it could have flared up because I thought, oh, you know, okay, yeah. And I owned up to a problem. I owned up to the fact that the other day, in fact, it was just yesterday or the day before, I smelled something that didn't smell right. This is like something's burning, something is electrical, something's wrong here. And I went upstairs, downstairs, and came right back to the kitchen where it was at its strongest. And the toaster oven was still on. There's a little switch. There's a timer switch. But I see... There's also a switch that I never noticed until today that says, stay on. Like, just keep this fucker. Usually it's just time. So this is stay on. And there's a little noise you hear, a ding, 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 very quiet. And I, of course, didn't hear it. And then when I saw this thing was on, oh, my God, I'm going, I'm fiddling with a timer. I'm trying to shut it off. And it's... It took a while to what I thought was a, a shutdown. Well, anyway, my wife got that yesterday and said, you don't know, you don't hear. Daniel will toast something and then walk away, and it's going to cause a fire, and I don't want a fire. And I'm saying, no, can I hang on? Let, let me look at it. Let me look at it, you know. And so by the time she went to bed, I was already on Canadian Tire looking for new uh, toaster ovens, similar to the one we've got. And because I knew, okay, she's right. Yeah, it's not worth for 60, 70 bucks. It's not worth having a fire in the kitchen, even though I wasn't sure there would be one. So first thing this morning, my way of making amends, you know, didn't say anything, just showed her a picture um, they've got some on sale. You want me to pick one up? Like I completely gave in. Okay. All right. You, you, I, I, I understand it's not worth the risk of a fire. And I understand that you're worried about this thing. And her answer very calmly compared to yesterday was, well, it seems to be okay now. So I plugged it back in today. I made a toasted tuna melt sandwich and it worked perfectly. And there is a little trick. When you go to turn it off, if you turn the off thing too far, it might go right into the stay on position. And then you hear this tick, 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 tick. And even though you don't see the elements at red, it's still on. So I found the off wasn't working very well, but I found if you turn it too, you know, a little more to the left, past the off position, and then back to the forward, and then back to off it shuts down. 
So I tested it. It's okay. We don't need to get a new one. I'll shore that today. But it was just, it was just, you know, one of those things that could, you know, immediate just so easy to have um, friction, uh, you know, an argument, and and I blame myself mainly. But she is a strong woman too, and she will just, you know, bam. If if she thinks I'm not hearing, she'll make it clear that I will hear. Got a different drink today. Usually I come out with a tea or something, and today I just no, I need something more substantial. Wonderful to reach into your fridge. Milk, half a banana, and some chocolate syrup, and some vanilla ice cream. And we have these little, you know, the magic bullets, like talking about kitchen appliances. How wonderful. Put it in. Okay. That's different from the dentist drill. If you heard the dentist drill, that wasn't it. This was the the blender. It's not always the best sounding, but it works. And I've got myself a wonderful drink. What a treat. So all these wonderful luxuries of, of living in the civilized world, a middle-class, comfortable existence. Ah. Now back to the book. My God, the times living with my girlfriend in Vancouver, uh, these turn up in the pages of the book, or will in this new one, uh, not having anything. Like we had empty bottles of wine and beer and liquor, Southern Comfort, but virtually no furniture. We'd pick up bits and pieces here and there. People donate things, plates, dishes, because uh, it just it didn't matter then. You know, you just you just you're just living. You're independent. You're out of your home. You've left home. You're starting a new life on your own. Just want to have fun. Okay, so anyway, uh, there you go. I'm. Uh, I don't know what time we've got left. I don't know what else I have to say or do to uh, keep you happy. Um, toaster oven. Oh yeah. Um, I moved uh, yesterday. I got an email from Barnacle Bill. Uh, sorry, Bruce. And sort of seeing, you know, I'm always telling him what I'm doing, what stage I'm at in the second book. And was telling him I was having terrible trouble for two days. Setbacks. Uh, pages is a tricky thing. It can either be a a word processing document or a page layout document, and whichever one you choose. The functions are going to be different. For example, if it's a page layout, you can you can put footnotes. If it's a if it's no sorry, if it's a word document style word processor, you can put footnotes in. If it's page layout and you you've created text boxes, you can't. Sorry if I've already repeated this, but anyway, that was just one of the problems. And I found out well, the whole document had both those features. So I, I'm just today was a fresh start because when I was telling Bruce about this, he said, you know. What if somebody breaks into your van? If you lose those letters, that's worse than losing the rock. Holy shit, what's worse than losing the rock? You know, I thought nothing was worse than losing the rock. No, he's saying I've got his letters and Chris's letters and a lot of personal information and addresses and everything and stuff and just a complete history. And these are the only copies. I've not gone and photocopied hundreds of letters. These are the originals. Whew. So um, my my reaction was, well, hey, nobody's going to break in. Nobody, and if they did, they're not going to take letters. But he said, you know, he's thinking of kids do things and just scatter them, whatever. You know, there's a creek right across the street from me. Throw them in the creek. God, what a nightmare. So within minutes, I thought, you know, he, he's got a point there. And it is a little cramped working with a, a, a computer in here. You know, if I'm doing, trying to do a few things. If I've got... Ten folders, and some of them are open, and, and I've got lots of other stuff that I'm working on all at once. It, it, it is a bit cramped. So I moved them all upstairs yesterday, and I, I emptied out my top filing drawer, and I've got all the binders in the drawer, right? You know, open it up, bam, there you are. They're labeled. I know. Here's letters, Bruce, 80 to 82. Bam. That's what I want. And and it is wonderful to move them up there. I've got my flatbed scanner up there, so the ones my father typed from my trip to Europe, bam, scan it, OCR, done, you know? It it's wonderful. So I spent the morning up there and I'm only in the in the road trek now 
because this is where I'll still do the dictation. I'll bring out one binder at a time while I'm here with me in the vehicle. And because I don't want to dictate, you know, in the room right next to my son's so that he would be hearing his dad reading out all these letters. I, I know he would not want to be hearing these things. So um, this is what I do out here, and then I'll go back in and, uh, you know, place it, upload it, adding pictures. So it's uh, that's a change, and it's it's a very efficient change. And yesterday, all the fog that I've had in my brain for the past two days on figuring out how to do the layout for this thing disappeared. I know what I'm doing. I and And now it's just a question of, okay, what era do I need? What do I need to follow? I've got, you know, these periods... I've got 80, goes to 70. I've got Kawasaki 80. No, it's Nigeria 80. Um, Suddenly I'm in Greece 70. And then I'm in Kawasaki, you know, 87. And, and yeah, anyway, sorry, sorry, sorry. Just, just I'm trying to create these, these jumps in the past. And again, I'll number them. So you want to read them in, in uh, chronological order? No problem. There'll be a number prefacing each thing in the index. But but for me, the fun of just jumping around and just seeing the, the change in, in complete living conditions, not just a different apartment, but a different city, town, partner, you know, it, it's it's been a rich life. And I'm sorry, forgive me for going on about it, but... That's what I'm doing, and it, it's remarkable to wake up and know you've got something to do. And uh, there's a lot of older people who wake up and they're wondering, what the fuck am I going to do today? What's on afternoon television? Well, uh, that ain't me, folks. That ain't me. Scabber Dude, signing off before you start screaming at me. Bye for now.
Hmm, that was nice. Uh, yeah, greetings, folks. Um, before I forget, uh, the song you just heard was by somebody called Christy Essien. Now, that's how I knew her. Now I see she's got another name attached on the end. I guess she got married. Christy Essien Ibokwe. And uh, this is a woman whose music I heard in Nigeria. And I just hear that voice, and it takes me back to those very simple bars, uh, you know, just your basics. Just maybe some, uh, what do you call it, like that uh, folded aluminum you might use on a roof or somewhere. Uh, maybe like more like a, a tin shack, some of them, but just places that were great. You sat there and there was always somebody, a character who ran the place, a, you know, like in Japan it'd be a mama-san. Um, anyway, wonderful. And every time I hear Nigerian music like that, I just, I get excited. It really, it just, it stayed with me. It's still there. Anyway, moving on. Uh, it is Saturday, uh, May the 11th. This is Mother's Day weekend. I was uh, commiserating with Bruce because there's no more Mother's Day camping weekends. Bruce, a.k.a. Barnacle Bill, and Kent were the last two to try and keep it going. Uh, you know, to going up. And, and so many of them were just, it was raining in somewhere in the interior of BC. And, uh, but they were always fun. And there'd be gangs. You know, Bruce has kept a record. There's a database of exactly from the very first one, well over 25, 30 years ago, I guess, to uh, who came and, you know, whether they stayed the full, you know, weekend or just a day visit and, uh, uh, it, it was it was quite an event. It was it was really bringing the tribes together, the Montreal tribe or Lachine tribe and the Vancouver tribe, and then gradually other people got added in or visited if they're in in the area. Um, big fires, lots of drinking. It was nicknamed the Mother's Day Camping Weekend Drunk. But uh, as we got older, as children started coming up and uh, real mothers, you know, it it, it it was tamed a little bit. But they're just real. Community, fun, very special. And uh, Kent died, I guess it's getting on for two years now, sadly. Our age, well, younger than me. Um, And that left Bruce in terms of the person who kept it going. Bruce doesn't have a vehicle right now. And uh, just, hey, you know, who's going to leave the city on their own to think about times that have passed? So uh, the tradition is, uh, is gone. And it's it's sad. But it's also today my sister's 80th birthday. So uh, she will never hear this. Uh, I wouldn't direct her towards it. Um, but a happy birthday to my dear sister. I wrote her a, a card I'm pleased with. I think I'm going to use it for the um, uh, image for this particular episode. Uh, it's really, it was uh, 80, you know, and... and <sighs> Again, it's it's a, a, a time frame or an age I used to associate with aunts and uncles, old people, you know, not our parents. I didn't never pinned your parents' age, but an aunt or an uncle was getting on, you know. And uh, but that's us, and we are the the end of sort of this generation, like our memories of our our parents and our grandparents um, go back, but we're the ones carrying those memories, and when we go. You know, the living memories, you know. Well, my my children did meet my uh, father, which is good. So there's something here. But you know what I'm talking about. It's uh, Time marches on, but 80 is incredible. She's quite uh, genki. You have an iPhone. She was eating chocolate-covered strawberries. And uh, is it mimosas where you have uh, sparkling wine and orange juice? Is that the right term? can't remember. But anyway... Uh, celebrating. She's still uh, a spiritual individual involved in her church, uh, likes to do things to help others, uh, has been through a lot. She's had more than one marriage and has had her trials. Now, something I'd sort of forgotten, I mean, I was always close to her. It was always fun because she had three kids. And long before 
I had any thoughts of marriage, I really enjoyed being Uncle Ken. So I associate Uncle Ken. Now, my son also had a daughter, but I didn't see them as often. I would visit my sister. She lived in Valleyfield. I'd drive out there and take the kids out for a ride or something. So crazy Uncle Ken, I guess. But I enjoyed that role, and it was because of her. And I was always, every time I came, she'd, you know, she'd, she liked to cook, and she'd fix up a sandwich or lunch or something. And uh, I'd have a beer, I'd listen to the kids' music. It was always, always fun. But also, I had forgotten until I started putting this book together how often we exchanged letters. And I was able to write things to her that I wouldn't to my parents, in particular about my love life. You know, I might mention I had a girlfriend or somebody I was seeing to my parents, but not so much in details. But with Barbara, I was able to uh, talk about, you know, where where we were in the relationship and uh, what was happening. And I just I just read one letter in particular talking about, you know, I was coming on a bit too strong and this particular girlfriend wanted me to back off a little you know, hey, I'm just I'm out, I'm just out of a relationship. I don't want to get dropped into another one. I want to just date for a while and things like that. I could tell her and write to her and get maybe responses back. And I guess she virtually always replied to my letters, so I could see how many. Now, my brother wasn't uh, a writer in the same sense, and I wasn't as close naturally to his wife as the same way I wasn't as close to Barbara's husband's. Uh, but um, we had a, a good relationship, so I, I, uh, I'm just shouting out a thanks and and, a gra- and feeling gratitude for having had somebody when I was in my 20s and 30s still sorting out my life and uh, drifting and, uh, you know, to be able to, uh, to share that with somebody in the family was quite wonderful. So uh, where are we in this... Uh, podcast. How much time have I got left? This is what I'm asking. Oh my God, we got about 20 minutes. Um, I'm a little behind. Normally I release them on Friday and this week, I just, uh, there was other things going on. I and mean, particularly this move up to my office upstairs in the house for, um, where I have all the binders organized. Oh my God. It's such, it's so much easier than working here in Sal, where I'm sitting now. This is the perfect place for dictation. Nobody has to hear me. And everything is saved to the cloud. And then I just go inside. I open up the document, pages document on the cloud, and do the edits and uh, drop it in. Working on my bigger iMac now is also a lot easier than working on the MacBook Air, which was I, I was doing all along. Uh, oh, my God. You know, the luxury of having, you know, your your phone... Your MacBook Air, your iMac, all connected, all sharing documents and files. Um, what what a what a life! You know, I've talked with a few people. You know, of you know, if a king could imagine the luxury we have as commoners, you know, they wouldn't believe it. You know, the the degree of comfort. You know, flush toilets, soft toilet paper. You know, just it's just incredible. So uh, anyway, uh, just a lot of uh, a lot of gratitude for the comfortable life I'm living. It's a sunny day here, and my wife said we should go out. And of course, I've learned my lessons, and I'm going to say, "Well, I want to do my letters." No, uh, so it'll be a while yet. She has not yet showered. I was awoken by six o'clock in the nicest way, a little soft cat's paw pushing on my nose, just. Tap. Enough to wake me up and look up and there. <laughs> this beautiful cat face just looking at you. You know, what a wonderful thing. Uh, and uh, anyway, I managed to stay in bed for another couple of hours. Watch the uh, qualifying laps for the uh, Barcelona Grand Prix, the Spanish Grand Prix. And uh, um, our hero, my hero, not everybody likes him. Hamilton, Lewis Hamilton, Great Britain, in his Mercedes, uh, got his 100th pole position. A hundred. So it was a big deal to see that happen. hundredth pole, you know, starting off number one. Uh, and it's already, you know, broken records, I guess, tied with Schufacher. 
uh, Schumacher's son. I really shouldn't say that. All right, Schumacher. Give him a give. Give the son a chance. But um, I tend to. I know it's it's a bias. It's not nice. But I generally don't overall always think well of the German drivers. That's just you know who knows why. Come on now. Um, you're allowed to have your biases in sports and your favorites. It's not a hatred. Um, but, uh, you know, I, 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 just my heritage, I, I favor the Brits, you know, and the, and the English racing teams. That's just, hey, you know, when I was young, Aston Martins, Jaguars, Lotus, these were things that, you know, Triumphs and, uh, what are the other, uh, what's the car? MGs, all these cars. So when I go to Mossport and I see the vintage racers, man, I am all over, these MGs, the old ones, and and uh, just love to see them. And Austin Healy's sprites, Austin, the sprite. Anyway, you know, for that, you know, I guess we're uh, we're wandering a bit here. But uh, what else do we do on the Dixon Jane's podcast other than a wander? Um, I don't know that. I don't think I made any notes of things I had to uh, share with you. Shall we just check and see? Let's see, eight forty-two. I told you about the toaster oven, didn't I? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Anyway, my wife thought it was broken. Yeah, there was going to be fires, and uh, I did check it out, and it's okay. This, It's like we have a back door, a side door where you can eat. Very convenient for putting the garbage and the recycling out the side door. I am the only one in the house of the three of us who can actually work that door, know how to turn the lock and somehow jiggle it open and then also able to close it and with the lock firmly in place. Nobody else can do that. Nobody else tries. It's just the answer. It's broken. Yeah. No, no. You just have to know how to do it. That's a father thing, you know. It, it just, no. Look, we're not getting a new, we don't need a new lock. You just have to do it this special way. It's like the doorknob. That was probably talked about in this podcast. The the one that I have now is a beautiful stamp thanks to uh, John Meadows the doorknob that just drove my wife nuts because it fell off like for, for 10 years or more. And I had friends at visit, Bruce and uh, Brand and others. Yeah, why don't you fix the, the door leading down to the basement? Until so my wife went out and bought a new one and insisted I threw out the old and I refused. These were really nice glass doorknobs. No, they're not being thrown out. So I had to pass them off, fish them out of the garbage, pass them off to John Meadows, who affixed a stamp, like with my initials, that you use on a letter, you know, with the the, the sealing wax. It's a wonderful gift. Thank you, John. Um, anyway, that was a, so that was another thing, you know, that's not working. Well, the toaster oven appeared to be going that way. No, no, look, if it's not shutting off, turn it to stay on and then turn it back to the off and it'll go off. It's just a little trick, you know, it just you just need this trick. And it'll work, okay? But uh, not everybody wants to do the tricks. It's easier. It's broken. Get a new one. But we didn't. Uh, Move to the office. Sally talks. Sam Harris. Yeah, there's nothing else on the news. So, I mean, I could just make this a shorter one. I could throw in another song. Uh, I could read. I'm reading the one letter to my sister uh, and this this is a rare one. I didn't write many around this time, but it's from 1972, December. I had just moved out to Vancouver that fall. I'd finished university. I had one credit to pick up, and I got one in uh, art history. Stupid course, uh, but it seemed like, you know, hey, just get an easy course, and you can enjoy it. So I picked one up that summer of um, 72, and then in the fall, got on the train moved out to Vancouver, left Lachine, got on the train. My father said goodbye, gave us a big 40-pounder of uh, Bacardi, I think. We drank that before we left the island of Montreal um, and made it all the way out, the three-day train trip. I had a, um, a little roommate, uh, Deb and Brent, uh, Deb and uh, her brother Glenn, who was my friend. Deb was the younger sister. Uh, sort of got together on that train. We had We had been you know, interested in each other for a while. And by the time we arrived in Vancouver, we were a couple. And uh, so moved into our place, didn't have money. I was the only one who had had a job, I guess, that summer. I had some savings. Nobody else had anything. We moved into an apartment. 
uh, had no furniture. Uh, this was in the the drinking days of Vancouver. You didn't really need furniture. But I'm describing here how, um, you know, I'm upset because my record player has to be repaired and it's going to cost me $30. But meanwhile, people are giving us stuff and lending us stuff. And, and we're able to, you know, how excited it is. We've got chairs now. We've got a table. And it was just sort of describing that period, the early 70s in Vancouver, where we went, uh, there was this exodus from Montreal, from Quebec, yeah, at the time of a lot of political turmoil and so on, a lot of Anglos who didn't speak French very well, other than what we learned in school, which wasn't much, headed west, left our families, left our homes, started a new life in British Columbia. Uh, so uh, Barnacle Bill was one of the first to get out there. Uh, Richard, of another family, connected us with the people who were already established out there. Uh, and we, we melded, and I sort of followed, I guess, the year after, uh, after getting my finishing my Bachelor of Arts, major psychology in English. And, um, yeah, so Deb and I ended up, wow, we need a place to live. We, we got thrown out of one place uh, in the middle of the night uh, where we were staying with a friend, and uh, it just this friend decided no, no, <laughs> and ended up pounding on doors, I remember that very vividly, uh, to try and find Bruce and his girlfriend, hey, we need a place to stay, uh, ringing bells like, you know, early hours in the morning, I guess it was, and uh, finding out, no, no, it's the wrong building, it's the next building over, and uh, finally being let in and eventually getting our own place. So there you go, and here's a letter kind of documenting that not all the details, but just saying, "Hey, we're doing okay," and uh, it's uh, you know, just gosh. Ah, my parents sent me twenty five dollars, which at the time was really, really helpful. That would have meant a lot. Nineteen seventy two. Thrilled about the new song "Crocodile Rock," that got us all up and dancing. I'm asking. Um, uh, actually, it was another letter. I asked my mother if she's still watching Mary Hartman. Talking about the St. Alice Hotel, uh, right on the edge of the uh, First Nations Reserve in North Vancouver. Uh, just, that was the place. An old-time beer parlor with shuffleboard, live music. You know, just, we always lived close proximity there. I, in fact, lived on the same street at one point. Uh, and we're in there all the time for just a great time and, and mixing it up between loggers and fishermen and the native people and uh, down and outers like ourselves. Here I am listening to Isn't It a Pity by George Harrison. Uh, yeah, so just, ma'am, there it is. So this is really the connection. I'm going through this thread is because it's this was a letter to my sister from those very early days. Um I know I was talking about why don't other people have the luxury of uh, just taking time out and of their lives and uh, enjoying a little bit of freedom. But, uh, of course, other people were, uh, were too busy for that. Reasons why I wouldn't get a TV that eat up two hours of your life. I really enjoyed your letter, Barbara, for its honesty and the fact that it was you talking. I'm looking forward to the next time I can talk with you again. Um, anyway, the beer parlors and lounges here aren't the same as the Quebec taverns, but uh, we're adapting. Wait for that passage, God. Uh, all right, so, anyway, folks, that is about it. It's the Scarborough Dude uh, signing off, and uh, I'll have this out probably by tonight. Not that it matters, not that there's anybody calling me. Ken, 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 where's your podcast, man? supposed to be out yesterday. I didn't get it. Well, here it is. Scarborough Dude, signing out. Hope all you boys and girls are fine and you're uh, doing the proper things and you're coping with COVID okay. And uh, nobody's suffering too much. And you've got enough food to eat. Yeah. Signing off. There ain't nobody hungry listening to this podcast. I don't know why I said that. It's almost an insult, so I uh, I apologize. No. 
I hope, uh, I hope, what do I hope for people? Let, let me finish on that note. What do I hope for people? I hope you do some soul searching. That's what we try and do on this podcast. I'm not, sometimes I skip over things, only do the good parts, but uh, a little soul, soul searching in your quieter moments of how you can be a better person. And uh, believe it or not, I try. Bye for now.